1: The team with the highest volunteering staff could secure the biggest prize of all, the continuation of American democracy. Head to votesaveamerica.com slash 2024 now and get ready to organize or else.
0: This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at votesaveamerica.com. And this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee.
1: Guys, it's been a rough year
2: back with an all-new episode of Keep It. I'm Ira Madison the fourth. What happened? Something went awry? I'm Louis Vertel, still the first and the only. Why are you the fourth today? Well, I died this past weekend, Louis. Oh. Because, um, let me tell you something. There's a new Saw movie out, and I I didn't know there was, like, a Saw community in the way that there's, like, a... Can I discourage a Saw community? I would prefer there not be one. When I say Saw community, I mean the way that if you bring up like Scream, you just say the word like um you you say Sydney um uh, in public, and then like ten gays will like pop up and want to talk to you about the Scream franchise, mm-hmm. you know. And I did not realize that that also exists. For Saw, really? Because I never really paid attention to them. I saw the first one. Um, not even in theaters. I think I watched it with a friend once. But 10 was coming out, and, you know, we were in the waning days of the strike. The WGA strike is over. You're back to work.
3: I have to tell you, it's painful.
2: Remember when I wanted to go back to work? No, I'm done. <laughs> Sorry. I'm bad at this. Sorry. I'm back to not working like I was when the strike Slave boots. <laughs> so I'm like, Oh, at some point, I'll have to go on job interviews again. What's that like? Um, but I was like, you know what? I've got time. I will watch all nine Saw movies and then go see Saw X. That was a lot.
3: <laughs> I have to say, I mean, like, they are among <laughs> the least critically acclaimed movies and franchise <laughs> collectively that have ever existed. Like, the Ernest
2: movies are, like, competing for last place. They're gory. They are violent, they're misogynistic, (laughs) they're nasty, uh, but also very funny, some of them. Oh, really? Um, Yeah, honestly, I would say, you know, I don't know if you've seen the, the first one is like a good, competent horror film. The second one, I would say, is to compare it to Scream. Like, very Scream 2, light. it's funnier, it's bigger, there's Mm. more cast in it. And that is actually my favorite um, one. Was my favorite one until I saw Saw 10, which is Saw X. It's kind of amazing. And what's the X factor, if you will? (laughs) It's amazing in the way that it's a movie. You know, so the main problem with the Saw franchise uh, and what sort of makes it funny, too, is the fact that Jigsaw, the killer, you know, he has cancer. He has brain cancer. And, you know, now he's getting his <laughs> revenge on uh, this fucker. Okay, <laughs> that, That's how the movie that's how the first movie starts. Oh, okay, you know, right, he's, right, right. He's getting revenge on people who, you know, um have done misdeeds, Got you know? It. Like, it'll be, like, rapists and murderers, um, predatory lenders, real estate agents, people who are in a love triangle with one another. That's okay. one of the plots of, okay. like, Saw 3D,
3: which he, is very I was with strange. him on murderers,
4: okay? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, just, like, person speaking too loudly at Starbucks. <laughs> um but anyway, he dies at the end of Saw four. Mm. And so what happens is the rest of the franchise is basically sort of the this, this sh- movies have always played with time. You know, like the, like, the second movie, um, Donnie Wahlberg's son is kidnapped because he's a cop. Um, and he's like trying to k- get his kid, and he's watching him like on, a com- on like a TV screen, like in one of Jigsaw's traps, and then the twist at the end ends up being that, like... That was already filmed, and his son was actually hidden in the room where he was in the first place. Ah, got it. Yeah. Um, so it's really about games and following Jigsaw's rules. And if you sort of do what he says, you'll come out unscathed. But people always try to beat the games, and then they end up dying, etc. Whatever. Saw 10X takes place between the first film and the second film. Ah, we're doing this shit. Uh, got it. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, you know, light spoilers here, but, you know, it's actually... It feels almost like an A24 film, which sounds silly, but, you know, it's like... It's an elevated horror film, which is interesting for the franchise. It truly starts out with him um, in sort of like a cancer support group um, dealing with the fact that he has cancer, um, that he's dying soon. Someone in the cancer support group... um, gets this miracle treatment um, from, like, a doctor who's, you know, outside of the U.S. because of the FDA, et cetera, whatever, and gives Jigsaw the number for this place. Mm. And then Jigsaw goes, and of course, it ends up being a scam. (laughs) And then it turns into They try it with Jigsaw, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, one of the, like, highlights of the series is, like, Tobin Bell, who plays Jigsaw. And... He's always been very good and sort of elevates the franchise. But this film shows that he's like, it's a really fucking good actor.
3: Oh, wow. Um, I don't think, I think if this that, is a showcase for any personalities whatsoever. So that's really shocking. Yeah,
2: this is, it's a big showcase for his acting. What's interesting is a lot of the reviews miss the fact that, you know, like they wonder how fans of the franchise, like, like just mainstream fans of the franchise will respond to this. And it did well at the box office and it's done well globally, actually. Um, just mostly because it takes, like, 40 minutes, you know, or so before the plot even kicks in, and there's the first murder. And know?
3: I assume we're going to get 10 more of these movies, too.
2: I had no idea I cancer so. was a huge part of this.
3: He's Susan G. Coma
2: for you. <laughs> <laughs> this one really just feels like a thriller, too, and it focuses on him as sort of this anti-hero protagonist getting revenge on people, whereas the other movies... Have always involved cops and a procedural element. So there's always this like push and pull of you're want- watching the traps and the games and the murders and having fun with that. And then there's like this boring police procedural that's also happening in the film. Mm. And there's no fucking police procedural in this one because, you it. know, ACAD. Uh,
3: precisely, precisely. Um, I yeah. am weary, of course, of tripping into October, which is a part of my least favorite season, but I will always <laughs> watch something. Um, usually old. I mean, I can tap into some new horror movies too. But like, if you're interested in seeing something that has a thriller element and a little bit of a spooky thing that isn't horror, I recommend the movie *Sleuth*, which was remade horribly in the 2000s, mm. but the original with Michael Caine and Lawrence Olivier, both nominated for the Best mm-hmm. Actor Oscar, very rare. That is a fun, puzzly movie. Kind of, it takes place in a quizzical, strange, whimsical mansion, and it's about games and. Can you solve the riddles and things like that? So in a way, it's the original. Jane sol- Lynch's house? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> or, <laughs> or Ellen's house, Ellen's Game of Games, which I is, was basically Sleuth, if you never saw that movie. <laughs> what was Jane
2: Lynch's game? Wait, Celebrity Game Night? That she, yes. Oh, no, so, yeah. So she had a. She Hollywood had game, game Night, Night Sorry, And I, ho- Hollywood Game Night, and I visited that set.
3: Oh, yeah. And there was a band Once. there and they would play like, yeah, like little uh, mini games and stuff. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, Ellie yeah, Kemper, was, you're crazy.
2: I was a part of some like writing program, or like NBC or whatever years ago. Um, and one of the things was they took us to Hollywood Game Night <laughs> And set. Jane Lynch lingers and we over Jane Lynch, she's six foot yeah. seven. Yes. Yeah. We played like a game with her. Like, so. Oh, wow. It was fun. Oh, cute, cute, yeah. cute. And now, of course, she hosts The Weakest Link. Yes. Yeah.
4: All right.
3: Well, maybe this Saw movie is in my immediate future if it's like tolerable to watch and it seems like there's actual
2: acting I, in it. I honestly think that you would like it, and I think that, or at least respect what it's doing.
3: That's nice that, that you want like,
2: that back right from the start. Good. Okay. <laughs> and I like Tobin Bell. I honestly think that he's a very good actor great actor honestly and i would hope that maybe this could get him into some other acting roles Prestigy i guess beyond just playing. Movies, yeah yeah well i mean like he's been in films you know like he played like the fbi agent in um mississippi burning mm. um he's been in Like he's played like bit parts, you know, and like Malice, Goodfellas, like Sophie's Choice, like, you know, like he's played these bit parts. And then this was really sort of his breakout role. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I think that he has this sort of like menacing quality to him, but also a very sort of like sad humanity that's like behind his eyes, too. Like you're very sympathetic to him, too. So I would love to see like where he could take
4: that all right you
2: know, i'm not calling him daniel day lewis um yeah but you know it's it's sort of a quality that you see in some of his like um darker sort of sad roles all right no uh, f- fabulous all
3: right great well as we had he- we're heading into prestige se- season i will be thinking about him and the saw franchise <laughs> which you love great <laughs> What the hell are we talking about today? Well, we've got an iconic guest this week. We, I have to say, we really do. Like, sometimes people are so <laughs> iconic to the point where I'm actually in pain. Like, why do we get to meet them? Obviously, we don't deserve it. <laughs> uh,
2: we are, we've collected our first of, hopefully, we catch all five. Yeah. Just like Pokemon. Um, Jerry Halliwell Horner is here this week. Ginger Spice herself.
3: I. Th- there are a few celebrities where... I can remember specifically the first time I ever saw them. I remember her doing Mm -hmm. an interview with them, you know, 1997 when they happened, kind of when I'm first becoming aware of music and pop culture altogether. And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people in my generation, Spice Girls, really instigated that, you know, lifelong Mm -hmm. relationship. And just knowing immediately from the way she would, like, scream answers in an interview that she was rad as fuck like you like like oh that's like a fun adult you know like that you know that's like kind of the age when you're sort of like does being an adult suck and then you see people like Ginger Spice and you're like fuck yes yes I'm on my way yeah I'm gonna pinch Prince She's... William's ass too or whatever she did Prince Charles's ass
2: yeah <laughs> uh, it was very hard to call her Jerry during the interview it was not hard for me it was hard for you <laughs> <laughs> Ginger yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, she is here, and so we are also going to talk about our favorite, because I don't think we've had this conversation no. before, our favorite girl groups. Oh, yeah. Which is yeah, interesting conversation
3: so. because, and we'll get into this, girl groups, almost by definition, are short-lived. You know, if somebody mm-hmm. gets sick of it and then they break up or, you know, they only have a couple of albums. So I feel like they really concentrate their energy into making a, a couple of banger songs. And then generally speaking, they move on. But you're left with these uh, awesome songs, ultimately.
2: Yeah. And then there's some weird ass dating shows on right now. Uh, yes. Naked Attraction and um, The Golden Bachelor. Um confusing to me because i didn't know old people dated right or knew each um, other or spoke yeah. yeah but you tell me about it okay You're great
3: old. um also i mean yeah, naked attraction is this long-running <laughs> um show on british tv and then they added it to max yeah. somewhat surreptitiously and then it became the most popular show on the network so we'll see you know do dating shows gain something from us just checking out a pair of balls before we make our decision who
2: knows yeah, I think that's just because In Just Like That isn't airing at the moment. You sure, know, yeah. Th- 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 that, like, what else are we going to watch on that? Honestly, Naked Attractions should be called In Just Like That. Like, here it is, <laughs> Dick. <laughs> you just have chade Giaz wander through scenes, and it's yeah. basically the same show. <laughs> uh, all right, we will be right back with more Keep It. This week is Banned Book Week, and Crooked is using this time to say, how fucked up is it that we need to have something called Banned Book Week?
3: Isn't this America? You can show your support for authors and librarians by shopping new merch from the Crooked store. They've got Are You Afraid of the Books tees that are perfect for spooky season, kids tees and onesies that say, read me a banned book, and newly refreshed Free the Books merch. Whether you're a bookworm or just someone with a personal hatred for Ron DeSantis, woof, we got you. Now book it over to crooked.com slash store to shop.
2: It's truly crazy we haven't touched on this topic in almost 300 episodes. Jesus. And this is number 298. 300 fucking episodes. What are we, Gunsmoke? Uh, but as you should all know, we have a deep love and respect for girl groups. In honor of today's guest, the legendary Ginger Spice, we decided to do a tribute to girl groups. And Lewis, let me guess. Uh-huh. Your favorite is... The
3: Shangri-Las. No, well, the Shangri-Las really only have <laughs> – Leader of the Pack is not like a top-tier girl group song for me. My favorite girl group uh, – I mean, well, I will say Martha and the Vandellas are up there for me. Those are some mm, – uh, I mean – Dancing in the Street, that was the first girl group song I ever fell in love with
2: because of, you guessed it, sweating to the oldies. And <laughs> – And Heatwave, of course, which Heat- I first heard on – several episodes of American Idol. No, if you want to get
3: eliminated on American Idol, you better heat <laughs> sing Heat Wave. Sing Heat Wave. Yeah. You're trying to get out of there. You're like, I can't be at CBS Television City one second longer. I am going to do Heat Wave.
2: It's one of those songs that I sort of, um, I think I brought this up before with um, Bonnie Tyler's um, Holding Out for a Hero, uh, where the, the, the BPM is just a little bit faster than the other songs of that era. Yeah. And I feel like whenever people try to sing Heat Wave, they can't catch up with the lyrics. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's always like they're chasing the song. Yeah. And it's like, baby, that's, that's why she had the Vandellas with her.
3: <laughs> they were fast. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Dancing in the Street, of course, written by Marvin Gaye. Uh, you know, before yeah. he emerged as a solo superstar. He's a fabulous Well, you know, songwriter. Dancing in
2: the Street's is pretty faggy. Right. So.
3: <laughs> he did not strike me as gay. gay. That just isn't his name, right? Yes, gotcha. Yeah. Um,
2: no, <laughs> if I had to pick- a, The estate's gonna come after me now. <laughs> right, right. I
3: mean, it must be said, if we're talking about hit rate of songs by a girl group, I mean, I'll we'll bring up the Supremes who had the 12 number one hits. That's important. And we mm. can pick a favorite song of theirs. Pussycat mm. Dolls did not miss one time. Here's the problem with the Pussycat Dolls and why I think they couldn't last, though. They only made a star of one person in it. You know, I think the point of a girl group, generally speaking, if it's going to last even a second, is everybody's an avatar in the group. You know, like with with boy bands. You know, like you had your personal favorite and you had your weird reasons for not picking Justin. You know what I mean? You're like, I have to like Lance for personal weird reasons. I don't know.
2: No one ever said that.
3: I I think that did exist. I think a certain woman who was, you know, a a bit uh, self-conscious about, uh, you know, macho swagger um, would pick a lance. You know what I'm saying?
2: You had options. These Grace Adlers? Yes, precisely. (laughs) But yes, if you will, if you will. I get what you mean, though, because people make jokes about Destiny's Child, and they're always like, you know, Beyonce and them, you know, when, when people are being flippant. Yeah. But... Beyonce, Kelly, Michelle, each had a very distinct personality within Destiny's Child. Right, and you know what all three of them did, what all three of them brought to the table, the Pussycat Dolls was very much Nicole Scherzinger telling those bitches, "Do not sing into your mics." No,
3: also, yeah, right. Show, <laughs> show up at dawn, learn the choreography, and get out of my way. Yeah. Well, um, also, of course, there's that famous behind the music where Nicole Scherzinger says. Um, the album was basically presented to the other girls um, who had not uh, sung. That, the implication was they didn't sing on it. Uh, which is oh, very... God, I
2: love that one. It's, um, they heard the album that day. They came into the studio, and we played the album for them. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs>
4: <laughs> also, I
2: think that might be the last episode of Behind the Music,
3: and what a note to go on. <laughs> Her just selling that group out. <laughs> but really, like, all of their singles, starting with Don't Ya, into Stick With You, into Buttons, which I think might be their single best moment. But then even, like, the ballad stuff yeah. like the I hate this part, like, great song. And then they try to come back with React, which is a song that is a 9, a 10, and we didn't respect it. I don't know why. Well... Baby, people
2: were dying. Oh, it was right at the beginning of COVID. Yeah, you're giving that's that, that I literally dropped. Uh, that's that how I literally dropped when Wuhan was like, Let's get it popping. Okay,
0: <laughs> said Wuhan.
2: Wuhan said, Wait a minute.
3: <laughs> when I grow up into the coronavirus, I don't want to hear any hits. Um. Uh, 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 you're giving the Willa Ford excuse, who's like, oh, I wasn't a big star because 9-11 happened. Obviously, no one was in the mood for Willa Ford anymore. That's one of the craziest soundbites we've ever heard in our lives. But um, uh, I, I bring this up all the time. One of my favorite girl group songs of all time is from a group called Boy Crazy, which came out mm. in the early 90s, British. And uh, they had a song called That's What Love Can Do, which sounds like it should be a Kylie Minogue song because the people who wrote the song Are were Kylie Minogue's primary songwriters before that? Uh, That Mm. is a. Can you get them back? (laughs) I was too hard on
2: tension last week. I think it's better than what you think, though it's not my favorite of hers. I would say that I was too hard on it, but I have not listened to it all week. It does feel like she's she needs to focus more on the hooks and less on the Mm -hmm. production. the ethereal quality of the production, yes. Yeah. There's several songs on it that will get added to playlists of mine that I'm sure I will listen to again and reevaluate like I did with Kiss Me Once, but mm-hmm. it's it's not capturing me. I know. You
3: know. Like, I would say I like Kiss Me Once more than that, and I was never, like, mm-hmm. a huge fan of that album.
2: That does have some bangers but, on it. Um, anyway. But if you're yeah. speaking of British girl groups, yes. obviously, Ooh, here um, we go. Girls Aloud is, is iconic. You know, like, what, I just, I, you know what? I just you know what is I think central to a lasting girl group
3: attitude because it's like your ladies are coming yes. together. You're presenting a point of view. We hate men at the moment. All these things we love. Call the shots is the epitome of that feeling. Like we're all strutting together, yeah. and it's about us having a good time.
2: And what men? And I also relate to not being able to speak French, but just letting the funky music do the talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sad, (laughs) sad that you would think that, but okay. (laughs) Um, No, I I really like Girls Aloud. Uh, I mean, Sound of the Underground, Love Machine, they really had a lot of hits. And I mean, I had this whole period where I was like really into British girl groups. I think it happened because of like, you know, the DJ John Alley. Um, And you know, he used to have his blog, John Alley's blog. And I feel like that was that mid like, 2000s era where when songs were would be leaking all the time and like so they would just be like uploaded like the day that they leaked and stuff like he, he was also mixing in like British pop etc so that's how I got into Girls Aloud and like the Saturdays and you basically
3: um, have to be like formally educated on them though because they do not deliver that yeah. music to us like you would not know what Girls <laughs> Aloud is like people still don't know who Cheryl Cole is here um, yeah I mean people
2: barely know Little Mix So I feel like every time I meet a British person, um, like a gay out, and I'm referencing a little mix song that isn't Black Magic, they're like, how do you know that? Which, uh, speaking of uh, uh, other girl groups, how do you feel about Blackpink? Do you roll with Blackpink? (sighs) I was actually having this conversation with someone recently. So I've been down with K-pop since like 2011, when I first discovered the um, group Secret. I, I, I love them. Um, and so I've been in and out of K-pop. You know, I think I've referenced before, like, uh, I've loved Red Velvet, you know, um, I've to anyone. Like, I, I, I've i loved K-pop. And Blackpink had this really big, bombastic moment and, like, this big sort of moment where, like, everyone was into them. They had the documentary. They'd done Coachella twice. They headlined this year, and I saw them. Uh, seeing them twice live, It's just like the songs are sort of very much the same to Mm. me. Uh, And they're all just sort of this like, how you like that? And like a (laughs) screaming and like a bomb and like a bomb's going off. And they're all doing the same choreography. And that was good for like a big sort of moment. But I just don't know where else it goes. This is kind of the epitome of what
3: I'm talking about, by the way. Like it's about attitude. And then you present the attitude. And then there's Mm. nothing really else a girl group can do together. You know what I mean? Destiny fulfilled, if you will.
2: (laughs) But right now I'm sort of feeling like the people are really getting into, like, um, I mean, you've heard New Jeans, like Super Shy, a fucking amazing song, and ETA from them. I think that like, um, you know, they're like left. um, Who's the people who sing that song? It's um, – and then, and then there's um, Left Right by XG. I feel like we're getting into other K-pop girl groups now. They've, like, Blackpink, I feel like, sort of kicked that door open. And of course, we love but Sour now, Candy. Like, uh, yes. Yes, of course. Did they? <laughs> or maybe it was Gaga, because right. they released that banger-ass song during the pandemic, and then we never had it acknowledged ever again
3: right no it's it's my favorite thing they've ever done i think um i do want to talk about destiny's child for a second i do think it's unusual mm. that they had these blockbuster albums and then their to me their two best songs were on their final and worst album which is lose my breath and soldier to me are well, the epitome of attitude <sighs> and then also like i love like
2: the needing a man destiny and then, fulfilled is their worst album yes you wouldn't say so absolutely not what Desti, is i would Desti, I, I would put just their first one with no 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 on it yeah oh, okay. what else so, you listen to on that album oh, all right yes no 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 Part get one. on the bus
3: yeah Yeah. <laughs> all, all right all right but that's that's like saying like you
2: know alanis that's canadian albums are her worst it's like not even really part of the catalog honestly i mean like there's Destiny's fulfilled and then obviously there's writing on the wall which is their best yeah and then there's Survivor, which is really amazing. But I feel like Destiny Fulfilled is uh, That has girl on it? Straight through. Lose My Breath, Soldier, cater to You, T-Shirt. cater. to you. Is she the e- reason? Neither of those. Okay. Through With Love, If. If is an amazing fucking song. I love Destiny Fulfilled. That's probably actually my second favorite Destiny Strong album. All right. It's, the one, it's one of the ones I actually listen to the most. Interesting.
3: I mean, I do. I mean, I fucking love soldier, and also lose my breath. Yeah, Just, the,
2: the ladies dancing off at each music. other. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's right. that real. That's that real Negro spiritual. Okay. <laughs> you don't know nothing about that. You hear Negro spiritual, oh, yeah. and you and, you and, that, and, and you and you. Okay, and you're like. You're calling out the dogs. <laughs> I'm following the drinking gourd to Destiny fulfilled.
3: <laughs> Excuse okay? me? They're singing
2: Soldier okay. Down at the Delta. <laughs> Excuse me? Okay. You thought Harriet Tubman was going to freedom? She was actually going to Destiny. <laughs> I stand corrected or whatever
3: that
4: was.
2: I love a history lesson.
3: Drunk history? Help I you.
4: Just,
2: you cannot... You cannot turn on through with love and not just be like the Holy Ghost is in you, okay. baby. Uh, <laughs> to okay, wait, I'm, I'm, gonna I'm actually through with ju- love. I finally found it in God. Come on,
3: <laughs> that, and that set Michelle on
2: her track, and I need her to not be on <laughs> that track. And I'm, and I am, and I am like borderline agnostic, borderline atheist, raised Baptist. I don't know what the fuck is going on in my brain, but <laughs> when I hear praise music. Like that? Oh, what's wrong?
4: Music. <laughs> wait, actually, can it's I, praise music. Can I,
3: wait, can I tell you my number one? Um, I'm about to use the word beef. Do we have another word for that anymore? Okay, <laughs> with Destiny's Child, I'm so, the, okay. their most atrocious thing to me. Of course, I love Destiny's Child. Like the, again, almost yeah. flawless single listing. Except their cover of "Emotion" by the Bee Gees sucks. I hate Ugh. that cover. Where is the sex in it? <sighs> The Bee Gees, uh, yeah. that's about
2: fucking. And we also have lustrous <laughs> hair. I feel like the Bee Gees version of emotion is, you know, you're drawing a bath to have sex in it. Yeah, sure. Precisely. The, um, yes. The De- the Dusty's Child version of emotion, you're drawing that bath to... Never wake up from it. If you get my drift, <laughs> right? It's 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 a suicide song. Yeah. it's very it's very it is a very sad version of emotion. No, I just yeah, I don't. It's want like the emotions take of it. taking me over. It's like you sound depressed.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need Vivance. Emotions taking me over. Um, <laughs> um. Does do, do Dixie Chicks or Ch- mm-hmm. the Chicks count as a girl group? I think not. If you play instruments, I think that's a different thing. Yeah. TLC. There... See, that, that's another good girl group because you could pick a favorite mm. one. They all presented mm. something different. And then collectively, they became more than the sum of their parts.
2: Yeah. They were sort of like the planeteers. Yeah. You know, because like, Left Eye had fire. Yeah,
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> She was Wheeler.
2: Yes.
4: <laughs>
3: Taking down her man's house. Yeah. <laughs> they all had water, which was cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh I do love TLC. Let me tell you something though. As, as big as TLC was, I'm gonna bring up another song that like got me in trouble and started me on my journey of really curating playlists and engaging the vibe of a party. Uh-huh. I went bowling with some friends once in high school, and I put on Waterfalls. Yeah, it's a on the song. jukebox. Yeah. This is like the 1950s. You're like putting okay. Go ahead. You, girl, you kicked it, and you're the fonz. Okay. Girl, I was about to be tarred and feathered. Really? Why? Yes. I mean, I mean, I did go to this like um, all boys like Catholic high school. Oh, you know? Okay. And like these these were not the evil people. These were just like the nerds and the art school kids. We we're bowling clearly. Um, but they were like you're bringing down the vibe. Excuse me.
3: I I thought we all loved a mid-tempo jam about, you know, don't get AIDS or whatever the message of this song is.
2: I think that's what it was. (laughs) It really is the the most mixed metaphor of all time. (laughs) The 90s really had a lot of songs that was sort of like, don't do drugs, don't have promiscuous sex, don't get AIDS, but didn't really say that. And so it was a lot of just, you know. What would you do if your son was at home crying on the floor? You know, it's like... <laughs> Great question. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> take an AIDS test.
4: Yeah,
3: <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> again, which, by the way, that reminds me of um, Wilson Phillips, which has... A, uh, Wilson Phillips' Impulsive is my favorite uh, Wilson Phillips song. But again, in Hold mm-hmm. On, when it, it seems to be empowering us and telling us to make good decisions, whatever, mm-hmm. and to hold on for another day. And then suddenly they go into, you got yourself into your own mess. And I'm like, Carney Wilson is full of blame, and she doesn't even know me.
2: <laughs> uh, I really just know. Hold on. Honestly, like, Wilson Phillips is a blood spot for me.
3: Oh, yeah. They just – they hit hugely in one year. So they were like 1990, and
2: then that's it. They had that. They had Release Me and Impulsive. Um, uh, but if you want to talk about some white women who were getting it. Oh, Right expose please expose is white women i don't think i've ever seen them before i think one of them doesn't pass the paper bag test but i think expose is mostly white women got it also a girl group that has long gone forgotten seasons change but that's good like Uh, that is that is a jam
3: a long forgotten girl group that actually got an entire sketch on snl about them in the past few years that people forgotten about Climax. Mm-hmm. They have the song oh. Meeting in the Ladies' Room. But the best climax yes. song is The Men All Pause. I just want to say, first of all, that all these songs sound exactly the same. It's crazy to pick a favorite. But <laughs> The Men All Pause. I mean, again, attitude. Attitude is the thing yeah. that like solidifies the reason we are listening to a girl group. You know, like we're the bad bitches hanging out in the bathroom in high school kind of vibe.
2: <sighs> I mean, Meeting in the Ladies' Room is one of the cuntiest songs. Yes ever invented I mean it's maybe about cocaine maybe about boxing this girl for stealing your man (laughs) and I just need I just need people to hear the opening of this song because this is maybe one of the most iconic openings of a song ever it's so it's it's just like it's a spoken word it's like this this woman is telling you a story before you get into the song she's like "Uh uh-huh uh-oh I had to leave my condo to come to this well I'm back But this time, I'm with my man. And these women are putting their hands all over his Yamamoto Kanzai sweater that I bought. And I'm much, much unhappy about that. I'd hate (laughs) to come down to their level and become a BW, a basic woman. But if they don't stop, it's going to get scandalous.
3: By the way, basic woman. It's the mid-80s to use basic in that
2: way. Have you heard of progress? Have you heard of a revolution? By the way, side note about Exposé that brings it back to my vested interest. Um, later, in their later years, um, Kelly Moneymaker joined Exposé, uh, and Kelly Moneymaker uh, is a singer who is married to Peter Reckle, who plays Bo of Bo and Hope on Days of Our Lives. Oh,
3: whoa, you took me on a journey there. I was, okay.
2: And she later started recording music for the show when... Um, Soap operas ran out of money to um, pay for real songs. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> you um, look at like eighties, nineties clips, like soap opera couples, like were they they were fucking to like Stephanie Mills, please. and you know like like and uh, you know um caught up in the rapture by Miss Andita, you know like, but now it's like royalty free music. Mm. I just want to say, "Bit by Bit" by Stephanie Mills from the Fletch soundtrack, really good. Also, uh,
3: you know what is a, con- a contender for me at best girl group song of all time? Because you're you're right, attitude is one thing, cunt is another, and we rarely get that from a girl group. But when we do, I'm so thankful. Vanity Six, mm-hmm. "Nasty Girl." Come on now, you are when that song comes I, on, you are
2: ass to the floor. I would say that. One of the greatest things that Beyonce has done for us mm. is um, the multiple samples of Vanity Six's Nasty Girl that she's put into songs, because as of yet, you still can't fucking stream those songs. Right. It's
3: mysterious. And then Denise
2: isn't with us to explain <laughs> what happened to Vanity Six. So there you have it. Yeah. So, I mean, because that is just those are just such massive songs that I feel like so many people would love and we should be hearing more, but you can't hear them. No. When I
3: saw Prince in concert, to 2011, I was excited to hear Al, all of his songs, of course. But when he played a split second of, of Nasty Girl, please. Suddenly, I was wearing a blazer and leotard, like Denise, and I was absolutely shaking. And shaking it. <laughs> uh,
2: you know who we have not mentioned, who is one of the top-selling girl groups of all time? Come on, um, the Andrews sisters. Yeah, the Andrews sisters.
0: <laughs> the the boogie
3: woogie bugle boy. You know what he brought. It. <laughs> he he came with the bugle and he blew it. No, who? uh no, like three L W. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, they are most well known for having a fight in a KFC. Now, I'm sorry. It <laughs> overshadowed the music.
2: I'm sorry. Sometimes I'm gonna, scandal I'm gonna bring that up. overshadows that is... the music. That is the most hilarious group breakup I have ever heard. Oh, yeah. Though, Naturi Naughton,
3: very talented. I enjoy Naturi Naughton. Yeah. Yeah. I love her. Great in the Playboy Club. Yes, 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 definitely. Naturi Naughton, also in the remake of Fame, uh, where she played the Irene Cara part. And then, of course, Irene Cara was in the original Sparkle, another movie about a girl group um, that is a lot darker than the even a uh, version with Jordan Sparks and Whitney Houston, where Whitney Houston has a moment where she talks about passing away in a bathtub. I can't believe they kept that in the movie.
2: Yeah. We were doing a lot in 2012. You know? Yeah. Confusing time. Confusing time.
3: Anyway, tell us your yeah. favorite girl group songs. I'm sure there's stuff we missed, but actually we had a good, yeah. we had a good number of coordinates here. I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah.
2: Speaking of Jordan Sparks, I saw, Pearly Victorious last week, which is the update of Pearly, the original musical that hadn't been on Broadway, I think in about 60 years, maybe. It stars Leslie Odom Jr. Justin Guarini was there. Whoa. And I got to tell him I thought he was great in Once Upon a One More Time, that Britney Spears musical. He was truly the best part of that. I'm sad it closed, actually, because it was stupid and fun. Mm -hmm. And there was a woman sitting behind him, and... I thought it was Jordan Sparks the entire time in the show. And I was like, it was very weird that they're not talking. I know that they were on different seasons, but right. don't they all know each other? They're in, like yeah, a, they're in a society. Like, you know, yeah. like the original Power Rangers know, like the ones who were on Zio. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, they had. Um, yeah, there's a club. And then I realized that it was Journey Smollett. Ah.
4: And I thought Journey
2: Smollett was Jordan Sparks for an entire Broadway show. And now I'm wondering what's wrong with me or if that is a thing that or if they've been confused before. Mm. Eves by you need to check yourself. Okay. Get it together. <laughs>
5: <laughs> this is what you've I'll done to my brain. I blame, out. I blame you. I
3: blame you. Oh, wait. I forgot one more girl group song. I love the crystals. He's oh. a rebel. What a great song. Great song.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah.
3: Anyway, send us your faves. And now we'll be right back with arguably, aside from maybe Diana Ross and Beyonce, the greatest girl grouper whoever was, Jerry Halliwell Horner.
1: <laughs> Guys, it's been a rough year
2: Our guest today has been part of the pun, spicing up our lives for generations, and she has not stopped for a second. She's not just a transcendent musician, she's a world changing icon in her own right. She's also the accomplished author of the Eugenia Lavender series and is back with a new magical and mysterious novel, Rosie Frost and the Falcon Queen. We are honored today to be in the presence of Ginger Spice herself. Welcome to Keep It jerry halliwell horner
5: hello wow what an entrance thank you very much it's lovely uh, to be here
3: there's something even just about your speaking voice that is energizing off
2: the top i'm like oh
3: my god <laughs> she's here
2: yeah <laughs> 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 can you tell us a bit about um how you first came to writing was like reading and writing something that um kept your time, you know, when you were on tour, when you were on the bus or something? Or did you come to writing later in life?
5: No, actually, because my mum's out at work and we didn't have a lot of money. So I was always loved books. Because with books, you can sort of go anywhere. You go on big adventures and, you know, when everyone else has gone on a real holiday. So that's what I loved about getting a book from a library. And then I studied English literature before music. And so I I always felt confident, you know, during my music career with The Power of Words. You know, I knew I was no Mariah Carey, but I felt more confident in the writing bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I always loved it.
3: I mean, you've been a children's author now for years and years. And by the way, when I say children's book, I mean, this is a 450-page book. I mean, it's not it's not <laughs> like there's six pictures in it and the book is over. This is like a book book. Over the years, what have you learned about what kids appreciate in a book. Uh, how Have you have you gotten to meet a lot of kids through your work and taken in their sort of insight?
5: Yeah, yeah I always think about audience first. And just to be clear, this book, yes, it is for if you're 10, but it's also, you know, if you're 25 or 35, 45, it's ageless, timeless. A good book is anyone. And that's what I endeavored to do with it. But also I think... You know, to not to patronize a kid just because they're younger. They're smart. They're so much smarter than you think. And so, when the first few drafts, I think I gave it to my goddaughter, and she said, "I want my hero to be badass." Sorry if that's swearing. Like, right. and <laughs> I just thought, listen to her. Listen to that. You know, she's your reader. Um, I just think kids are smarter than you think. You know, we can all get a little bit insulated by life experience. But on one, on one hand said, listen. So, but this book is for everyone. My husband's read it and he's not a reader. And he was like, ooh, <laughs> it's much better than I thought. I had to turn the... <laughs> I couldn't oh, no. not any, find any, out what happened next.
3: Any book that has a character screaming, these these shoes are Prada. That's for not just kids, that's for me. So I'm happy Maybe. to be here for it. Okay,
5: him. so there's a character called Ottilie. And I always like to, you know, like smash things together. So on what, you know, it's based on a um, an island called Bloodstone, which is like Jurassic Park, but for endangered animals. And you know, there's a school there. So which it was built 500 years ago by Queen Elizabeth I in honor of her late mother Anne Boleyn, who was just incredible. But she got shamed for being smart and incredible. But uh, Queen Elizabeth builds this school, and and her heirs instead of having children. She says, right, these pupils, they're going to be my heirs. These smart kids. Anyway, 500 years later, you've got Rosie Frost gets sent there and there are all sorts of pupils there. And one of them is Ottilie. And she is, she's that typical mean girl archetype, which she, you know, she thought a bit, oh, ew, you'd see her. But, you know, they all, they're, but they're three dimensional characters that, you know, this person, you might see yourself in them, and they all have their sort of no one is good, no one is bad, no one's perfect in this, and they all have their arc. It's an adventure story if you want it, or you might find the power you never knew you had through it.
2: Mm-hmm. In, um, you know, meeting new younger audiences, um, you know, through being an author, I guess, what do you feel you've learned about? Um, young young women, young fans, going from having such younger fans when you started in the Spice Girls to now having a newer, younger audience um, who reads your books.
5: What have I learned is the question.
2: Yeah. Just maybe, you know, just about um, what people, what, you know, young women consume or like what they like, what they're like as fans.
5: I think you know, women or girls, boys, we're more we're more alike than different. And I, I really felt that actually if you can see it, you can be it. So I felt really um, it was important to have characters in there that, you know, the boys, he's str- the character Charlie, you know, he's strong, but he does cry. Boys do cry, and that's okay. If you can see it, you can be it. Right? But the girls saved the boys, you know. So we're everything, there, and, and no one is perfect, and I think that's much more a modern-day hero that we can all relate to. There's no alpha here. It's, it, it's a real story about finding the courage you never knew you have and I think we regardless of age you can all relate to that you think oh yeah I'm not perfect but I'm um, you know I'm trying
3: um I have to say about you in this book I noticed like it's full of these big personalities too and you I I really can only think of Madonna to compare this to, and it is not lost on me that your child's middle name is Madonna. That is not lost on me. Um, That your personality right off the bat, when I first heard who you are, that must've been 1997, had this X factor quality of just like, oh, like she is the party. She is the energy. Like I am so attracted, whatever's happening with her, I've got to follow what it is, music, whatever. And did you feel, do you feel that like you had that quality your entire life. Like, just, just there's there something kind of magnetic about you that people responded to, or did you have to kind of come into your own?
5: That's very flattering, and thank you. You could be my mirror in the morning. <laughs> <laughs>
4: um,
5: you know what? I think when you're young, this is just my experience, and I don't have the uh, the answers. And if anybody's connecting with me, that's beautiful and flattering. But for me, I think when I was younger, I had sort of that that teenage bravado. But actually, it was America that taught me you're allowed to follow your dreams. And my mother was out at work and I was watching um, The A-Team or it was actually what Rocky said and Charlie's Angel. You're allowed, it doesn't matter who you are, you're allowed to go for it. You know, and that sort of really op- global optimism. America gave me that. So it, it was like, it was taught to me. So I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to give this a go. And, and so at the beginning, it was like teenage bravado, and then I think through my 30s, I was like feeling a little bit wobbly. I'd fallen down, but I've always been very introspective and tried to, to learn and connect. I find everybody interesting. Everybody's got their story. And I think as I've got older, I would say, you know, I've, I'm learning and I'm still learning it. And I'm still getting it wrong. But if you stand in truth, your words have power. Like, I, I, it's just my experience. That's all I've got now is exp- experience and... um so I think that's that's a nice quality to have. It's just like, yeah, this is me. You know, I don't care whether you're the postman or the president. Let's just get on with it, you know?
2: <laughs> Speaking so much about, you know, the introspection in your writing, um, I wanted to ask you a bit, you know, um, do, if you still feel... Um, a bit angry about the leaking of like your album, your country album, which was so personal in 2016. Oh. And whether that's a project that you felt like you wanted to revisit, or if the entire incident of it, you know, ending up online sort of made you want to move away from that.
5: Do you know, I, God, I, I think you have, we have to learn, learn to move on in life, don't we? And stuff happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I learned, and it's hard, like rejection is God's protection in a way and that it wasn't how i'd planned it to happen but i always love writing and and there's no point being cross is there like i'm learning if i'm cross someone said to me is um like anger or resentment is like drinking poison and expecting them to die the only person that's going to it's i'm going to suffer from that so it's it's just like life happens you know So it's one of those things. And the other thing is, who hasn't made a mistake here? I'm always making mistakes. And can can we give each other grace? That's quite a nice thing, isn't it? A little bit of grace is quite nice.
3: Also, I just think about how much you've been through in your career the like the un like unbelievable highs that even extremely successful artists can like the, the level you've achieved is just so extreme and I'm wondering who do you even relate to in the universe like who do you think like oh I you know as Jerry Hallowell Horner that person understands where I've been or where I'm going
5: anyone really <laughs> because I, th- I think um, it's on a human level I suppose if you the reality is here's this this is the truth in my experience that if you put 10 people together from all different walks of life we're more alike than different you know we you know after i don't know 10 minutes yeah you can go oh, i've experienced this but i think we all just want to connect we're all a little bit frightened we all want to be loved um those sort of basic fundamental things are the same um but i you know i always look you know from from the past Do you know who i love It. Um, Maya Angelou, she's amazing. Like she, it was incredible the way she, she did a number of things that, and she gave us permission that you're allowed to, you know, she wrote, she danced, she sang, she, she you know, she was a philosopher, she was a writer. So, you know, I was, a lot of the times I look from the past, but we can learn from the future as well.
2: Are there any other authors like Maya Angelou, um, whose works might've been, um, Particularly inspiring for you um, when you, you know, really learn to love literature.
5: You know, I can read anything and enjoy it for what it is. Because I also respect anybody that's given it a go. Because it's not easy; it really isn't. Um, but it, what I do like about it is you do get to, in a world where we, you know, what control do we really have? You know, we can't control whether someone likes us, the weather whether the relationship goes our way or the job goes our way. But when you write, you get to decide who lives, who dies, who loves, who cries, all sorts of things. So it's quite liberating. You get like, yeah. Um, So I I read, and this is not his style of writing that I do, but he wrote this book, uh, Stephen King, of how to write. And there was some tips in there that I used. Um,
2: That's one of my favorite books. Yes, on writing. Yeah,
5: yeah, it's really useful because he told yeah. he says about locking yourself in a really dark room so there's nothing that can pull you out, which is really interesting. So you write as well?
2: Yes, uh, my first book actually comes out next year in June, so it's a book amazing.
5: Of what's it called? Yes.
2: Um, Pure Innocent Fun. So
5: I'll say it again.
2: Pure, pure innocent fun. Pure uh, innocent. Random House is, is publishing it. yes.
5: amazing. And and what's Thank it about? You.
2: Uh, essays about, um, me in high school. I went to a sort of all boys Catholic high school, um, in the nineties and early two thousands. So, yeah.
5: That sounds really good. Really Thank interesting. Thank you. I hope you so. Yeah. I think <laughs> having a go, at it, it's not easy because lots of people procrastinate or are scared because it's very vulnerable writing. It's like putting your heart, you know, and saying, do you like me? It's like really being, showing yourself. Um, so that sounds that sounds and I think that the the best things are when a real heroes are when you're vulnerable. That that's yes. modern day. That's modern day. You know, there's no airbrushing. So well done you. I've tried to do do that with Rosie. So mm-hmm. um yeah, we'll see.
3: Um speaking of Maya Angelou, who was at one point a Tony nominated actress, you from time to time appear in you you act like semi-regularly. And is that a similarly vulnerable po- process? How naturally does acting come to you?
5: I studied acting when I was um, pre-music. And um, the kind of artist Stanislavski. And I also studied when I was in Los Angeles in my 30s. Um, and so, and it's kind of like being the paint in someone else's uh, picture. And the kind of acting that I you know, like to do is quite real. And um, so it's a privilege, but it is quite scary because, yeah, when you do it and if you're working with really amazing people, then, you know, there's no hiding. So, yeah, it's quite challenging. And it's particularly if you just love the story that's to be involved with, you know, so.
3: It's interesting that you talk about vulnerability in writing and in acting, but like, would you say performing as a singer is like a different like you get to sort of inhabit a persona more it's not as vulnerable making
5: i think there's different kinds isn't yeah. there different temperatures because you can put on i think we all put on our batman suit do you know what i mean we can all hide by lay behind layers do you know what i mean whether you work in a bank or you know or you're a teacher you can put on your shirt and tie but if you're on the stage you can put on your sort of regalia to sort of and we can all hide behind that but But sometimes the most powerful things are when it's just uh, vulnerable. And um, I think it's it's nice to have a bit of both, isn't it?
3: If it's doable, yes. If you can do both, that's nice. Yeah,
5: a bit of both. (laughs) I think that we, you know, there's room for everything.
3: Uh, You've now over the years have done so many different types of music. Do you have, uh, what, what would you say was the most vulnerable making music to produce?
5: I think probably my first album but there was a con- unconsciousness to it you know, your solo like, album yeah i think so because i was just, just there's nothing to hide behind no bells and whistles and some of the stuff i look back i think well that was pretty brave but there's i think there's a naivety with it as well i think sometimes as you get older you can be a bit more yeah how old are you
3: me i'm 37
5: okay you look younger actually
3: Oh, thank you. I'll put that right on my tombstone that you said that. Thank you so much. (laughs) But by the way, speaking of your first solo album, I think Look At Me is such a fabulous song to this day. Ahead of its time, like the message of it, it's like right in your face too. There's a lot to think about. And I'm wondering if you, if that's a particular feather in your cap, that song.
5: I'm proud of it, very much so. Yeah, I mean, I think the writing of it is, you know, I always think um, writing in any way, you know, whether it's a song or a, um, a book, is like always like a voice for the voiceless. You can express how people are feeling. So in, in Rosie, Rosie Frost, the, these four rules are given. So Queen Elizabeth, she's only three when, when her mother gets executed. And her mother, she knows she's going to die, gives her these four rules. Four rules, I don't know if you had a chance. Look at this, right? And these four rules, I think, are timeless rules and that can transcend to anyone. And so Queen Elizabeth first uses these rules. And then, like, I can use these rules, you can re- use these rules. And the first one is, is have courage. Um, the second one is United, we stand. Three is, never give up, serve your kingdom. Like, okay. And the fourth one is, which really is very in keeping with what the song look at me is the fourth one is to thine own self be true if you like not these rules make up your own that's Shakespeare so I think that messaging of be yourself is timeless
2: yeah I mean that Lewis is absolutely right I mean and that I still listen to schizophrenic
5: Yes. This day. Oh, please. Honestly, please.
2: I was honestly I was spitting uh, my Chico Latino today, which is such a very fun song. And speaking of Timeless too, um how have you loved the fact that your cover of um The Weather Girls' song has just been such a truly like such a gay anthem for ever now?
5: I mean it's pretty I, I'm completely flattered. Um, yeah, amazing. Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I've always had a, a lot of gay men in my life. So, <laughs> um, and so I find that taste, you know, very flattering. that They connect and the weather girls, you know, so they're, they're big singers to take on that song. That's, that's very nice. But
3: also, that's another way in which you're like Madonna, in which like there's never any question that this woman knew gay men. Just like like it's like so many like stars have to like tell their fans like, oh, yeah, I'm cool with gay people. But it was like, you know, you absolutely know Jerry Halliwell Horner is like up with the gays. Absolutely.
5: <laughs> you know what it is, I think I think if you have experienced any marginalization or felt any sort of I don't know in any way. So, any difference? If you just felt it, I don't know. I always feel like anyone that feels, you know, they've had to overcome something and be brave about it. I feel everyone. Should, I like it when everyone supports each other, even if I don't understand. Do you know what I mean? I, I want to sort of extend my hand in yours and say, do you know what? You're brave, and it's it's all right.
4: Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? We,
5: we'll work it out. And sometimes, and I've seen this. You know, the pendulum swings in that direction, and that direction before it will just tick in the middle and we find balance. But I think, you Mm -hmm. know, when we go through those processes of, you know, finding equality, I think it's nice if we can have some support and grace with each other. Not perfect, because we're still learning, I think.
2: Yeah. Um, Does that make
5: sense? I don't know.
2: Yeah. I think, maybe random question then. Um, Do you maybe remember the first time you stepped foot in sort of like, maybe it was a performance Spice Girls did or something like in a gay club or even just setting foot in one post Spice Girls where you could just feel the energy of everyone in this room is realizing, oh my God, Jerry Jerry is here. Ginger Spice is in this bar.
5: Um, I've been in a bar in New York where mm. it was Alan Cummings. Do you know who Alan Cummings oh, is? Yes, yes, yes. yes of course. He He's been on the there. show. Yes. Yeah, he took me on in there. I think we sang at the piano.
2: Uh-huh.
5: I'm just thinking that. know, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very sort of, I don't know, very supported in that community authentically. Uh-huh. And also there's sort of on one hand you can have a stereotype of the flamboyancy, but also the the tenderness and the strength in there. It's like that duality, it's a mix that comes through.
3: Who would you say in the music universe you look uh, look up to the most? Is there somebody you've been at, like a long-standing fan of, where you're still like an intense fan to this day?
5: Well, I, I admire anybody that gets her. Do You know, who I was listening to today it was Billy Joel, "My Life."
3: Mm-hmm. Of course, that's just mm. such
5: good. That's timeless. That's brilliant. And then I heard Stevie Nicks; she's still going. You think, go on. But then I admire. They did
2: a show together, um, in Boston recently. Yeah,
5: good for them. You know, and they're both both such good writers. And then, but then you know, up and coming. I was looking at um, who was it, Ice Spice, (laughs) and I just you know I like her. Just there's something innocent and raw about what she's doing. It's like yeah, go for Uh you. Go you
2: (laughs) we could we could make her like the honorary six spice girl you know ice spice there's more
5: than six (laughs) I think that that there's a band of everyone in in, in there
2: well thank you so much for being here oh it's my
5: pleasure (laughs) I'm very nice to meet you both
4: yeah
1: Go to crooked.com slash store to shop.
0: All right, people, we all know the stakes of the 2024 election are high, whether it's keeping the Senate taking back the House or stopping Republicans at the state level. If you're ready to make a real difference, sign up for Vote Save America's
1: 2024 volunteer program. This message has been paid for by Vote Save America. You can learn more at
0: votesaveamerica.com, and this ad has not been authorized by any candidate or candidates committee.
2: The Golden Bachelor has premiered, and people are loving it. Because you know what I love? Just grandparents hugging up on each other. Oh, please. Wearing like a tawny robe. Yeah. Uh, I watched it. I think it's cute. I don't know if I'm going to keep watching it. I don't really have an appetite for The Bachelor. I tried briefly when they had the first Black Bachelorette, Rachel Lindsay, and then I watched a couple of the other ones, but I just sort of fell off. Like, it's just not my flavor of reality show,
3: you know? I just feel like that particular genre for me, like we peaked in terms of being too self-aware on camera, I think. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like the the storylines unlike Survivor where I feel like people find new ways to like manipulate each other and play the game mm-hmm. and, and and get better at the game, make the game better. This is like pretty standard. Like they a, a specific type of personality always signs up for this. Like you're rarely going to find anything new or inventive in the in the format. Um, unless, of course, there's like an incredibly problematic person who emerges or something, you know. But that said, yeah. Golden Bachelor, that has more of a chance for me than the other seasons do. Because I am interested in seeing old people on reality TV. Maybe they aren't as mm-hmm. self-aware as all these like 20 and 30-somethings who play the game all the time.
2: That's fair. These are probably people who applied for original seasons of The Real World and didn't make it all. <laughs> They're not that. They're older than that. Uh, uh Maybe. I guess How, it's what's, like, the, what's the age of What's the age of like like if you're like sixty on this show right now? Yeah, you would have been thirty thirty years ago when the Real World premiered. But that's they were like twenty
3: two on that show. So I think like people on oh, the okay, first seasons fair. of Real World are probably in their early to mid fifties. Um, you yeah, can't yeah, but tell but
2: me Eric was not fifty four.
3: <laughs> that was a man, I have to say. <laughs> and we kept he him on MTV so for hot. quite a while. Yeah.
2: You know what? You know what? MTV should really bring back Woo, the grind, or, or spring, or spring break. Like, you know what? Spring break. We're oh, gonna my get God. to dating shows. We're gonna get to dating shows. But I have to tell you that it's actually weird. I need to now that I'm in the now that I'm in the edits. I can't believe I didn't run an essay about this. But one of parts of my gay awakening, truly, when I'm coming to terms with I'm attracted to men, and you're seeing them on TV. There was really nothing like turning on MTV in the summer and just seeing like hot guys dancing on the beach on oh, MTV yeah. Spring Break.
3: Or like that time where they were like, they they put like whipped cream on each other and they're like
2: blurring out. Yeah. The it's oh. like, Jesus, catapult the, the, yes. me through like, adolescence. Jesus the, the, Christ. Because Jerry Spring, oh, it was like Springer Break. Yes, right. Jerry yeah. Springer would host and they would play like sexy games or whatever with each other. Definitely ones where people had to lick whipped cream off of men's chests. Truly or, like
3: like what your, your parents' or, worst fear in terms of what my kids who are 11
2: <laughs> and 12 could be watching.
3: Worst fear shit. <laughs>
2: we would love to see a documentary of adults looking back at MTV Spring Break footage of themselves and being aghast but they're kind of lucky that that's at least one of those things that seems lost to time. Yeah, and maybe even a little in- innocent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe it's on YouTube somewhere. But if if you were, chances of your kid finding that or anyone else that you worked with finding it now is probably pretty low.
3: Right. Right. I know. I want the way we had that movie Fifty Four about the Studio Fifty Four days. I want that same movie, but about Senior Frogs. You know, I want to know who was there getting the giant margarita, who was getting up on the bar? Maybe even the girls gone wild people. It feels like that could that we could stand to hear an update about what happened to those people too. But speaking of um blurred nakedness, uh what's mm. notable about this new dating show, Naked Attraction, which first of all isn't that new. It's been airing in England for years. They mm-hmm. pushed it on to Max. It's suddenly the most popular uh show on Max. and it is even though you are judging potential mates based only on how they look below the waist in a full frontal way, I would describe mm. it as a pretty quaint show. Like, it's not like people are not like horny to death on this show, weirdly. It's just like I'm observing mm-hmm. a body. I have something to say about the body. And now I'm going to move
2: you on to the next round. Yeah. You know, it's it's sort of like working in a funeral home in that respect, you know? Like you're- <laughs> <laughs> yes,
3: right. You're an embalmer looking for a new project. Yes.
2: Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of one of my old favorite reality series, um, Hot or Not. Sure. Oh, God. Hot or Not. Bring that back.
3: It does feel crazy to me that we haven't brought back Next, which I think is just... First of all, the dates are so short, and therefore, like, you keep your attention or whatever. But the brutality Mm. of eliminating people as they get off a bus which by the way is already a humiliating act if you're stepping down from a bus you're not looking like amazing you know what I mean so in that moment if you are then eliminated you just could not be any lower and I have to and I'm not somebody who craves awkwardness in any media I don't like you know I can't even sit through the office where like there's people are exchanging glances I don't like that shit here it's so awkward I have to watch
2: (laughs) not exchanging glances
3: (laughs) (laughs) Next was, I think, the best of all those shows, of, like, the Room Raiders and Parental Control and stuff. Yeah.
2: No, Next is definitely a show that I feel like could be brought back on TikTok now. Yeah, right. It's such a short show. Totally. Yeah, also, but yeah, episodes can end
3: in, like, 30 seconds. Right.
2: Yeah, and the best part with the gay episodes where they get eliminated, and then they just start making out on the bus with each other or something. I can't explain that.
3: I truly find that to be... (laughs) progressive television just like we're not going to change the format of this show at all to make it you know we're not going to change the format of the show gays are as welcome here as straight people and also all right whatever go fuck in the van that's great enjoy yourselves you know they just didn't (laughs) mind i don't
2: know it was kind of rad and you also got to see varying versions of gay stereotypes on the show oh jesus and of course it's the mid-2000s so everybody
3: has the swoopy ninth place american idol (laughs) contestant hair
2: Yes, there's always the skinny, twinkish character who, if they are the person who is running the dates, they get to be bitchy about people uh, when they get off the bus. But then they become the victims other times if it's a very masculine bro right. who is doing the dating. They're like, oh, he's too femme for me. Like, next. My favorites, and it didn't happen that often, gay or straight when someone got off the bus and would next themselves (laughs) (laughs) they're like next (laughs) (laughs) done with this
3: it is it is like a weird proposition like oh i i have to be forced to want this person but they can eliminate me like it's it's so it's Mm. so weird it's such a weird power dynamic
2: um and if you hang out on the date if you win what do you get the, the most you get a dollar for each minute you spend, the most people would be winning would be about $30. It's pathetic.
3: It's it's like $30 or the date. It's literally like the dance marathon <sighs> and they shoot horses, don't they? Just like, oh,
2: if you survive long enough, <sighs> you'll make $36. I think there was actually a Reddit thread about this once where someone who was on the show explained basically that this was also pre-Instagram, pre-social media, right? So He said that it was stupid to not take the money at the end of these dates because even if you bond with the person, you're never going to see them again. Right. Because MTV doesn't arrange a second date or something. And if you're in town for next or whatever, these people live in different cities. So you Uh, bond with someone in Cleveland and you live in Florida – Take the fucking money because you're not going to see that person again. Yeah. Maybe you'll go and fuck them later that day, but you literally will not have another date with that person. Yeah.
3: Enjoy writing them a letter eventually or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I, it also it, it gave me the feeling of like it was a lot of people who still lived with their parents in the valley. Like that's exactly like mm. the, that was the dating pool. Like I have blonde tips. I'm wearing two to three polo shirts. My my belt mm-hmm. is spangled. And uh, I'm talking about the gay contestants specifically, but yes. man, to have that time immortalized that way. I mean, just we, we, we absolutely just the worst there. Yeah. Oh, the swoopiest hair, the swoopiest hair. Yeah, the, um, the
2: double polos. Yes, right, right.
3: By the way, uh, they play with this on Snatch Game of Love, but the original dating game is still a pretty good format. You know, where it's like one person mm-hmm. is asking, you know questions with innuendo to three awaiting contestants and they can't see them. They can only judge by their mm. voices. Because I think secretly voice is key to attraction a lot of the time. So mm. it's sort of also, like something about
2: that really works. Also, bring back Singled Out. We did. With yeah, on, Joel Kimbooster and Kiki. On Quibi. Quibi, which, you know, didn't anything happen on Quibi? No. I allegedly I allegedly wrote a TV show for Nicole Ritchie. No one's ever seen <laughs>
3: Well, also with that <laughs> particular single out uh, reboot, because it was on Quibi, it was so chopped down. You didn't get to just yeah. like watch like the guys and root for the guys and pick people. Like mm-hmm. there's something about singled out that really fits a full half hour. Like you're on a journey with these people and you pick a favorite and you you see how you, you're judging their dynamic.
2: Will this relationship work? You know, what I would actually sort of love in a concept for a dating show is we love a show like Big Brother, right? Yeah, uh-huh. and. I like a show like Love Island. But Love Island sometimes gets a bit too boring for me. And I kind of hate the showmances on Big Brother. Because one, it's always just a boring straight couple. Even when it's someone fun, people I like, like Corey and America currently on Big Brother this season. It's still weird because it's happening within the context of the other people playing the game. And then you, you cut to all this dumb showman shit. I would love a blend of that where it is a competitive game, but there are more couples on the show,
4: Mm. people
2: attempting to create a relationship or bond or whatever. So you get the romance element of people getting to know each other and that sort of relationship building happening, but you're also still playing a game that involves Scheming and manipulating and voting people out.
3: Which, by the way, reminds me of what I want, which is an all gay season of Big Brother. Just have a mm. bunch of gay guys, and then like, th- there's always the potential of a hookup element between these people who will then be backstabbing each other. I mm. mean, it's going to be murders. You want people to be killed on mm. television, right? When you see these shows, yes. you know, I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking like I'm running the television network in the movie network, right? We want like the maximum <laughs> carnage, and I feel like that. How has that not been done, particularly in like England, where they just air whatever? Like nothing is homophobic right. on television over there,
2: right? Not CBS because they don't want gay people having sex on live feeds. That's what yeah. I mean. I mean, like, um, we discussed this yeah. before,
3: I believe, with Roxanne Gay. Like, they never have multiple yeah. gay people there, and I realize it's because if there's a gay relationship, they would have to air it. <laughs> you know?
2: Yes. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, There's also the idea that, you know, people would be hooking up, and they would break up couples, et cetera, or they just swap partners. That's why people say that a love island or something wouldn't work with gays. But I do think it would, because one... A show like Love Island, the concept is you have to be in a couple and then America is voting or the UK is voting. The, the, the people watching the show are have a heavy part in deciding who wins. Right. Yes. And so if you are constantly swapping from person to person, then you're not going to look good to the viewing audience. There is an incentive to pick a partner and sort of stay with them. And also... Is the implication that there wouldn't also be people who are very much hardline, monogamous, or just have a different view on dating or whatever. So I think that that would be a very interesting way to watch different versions of gay people on TV. Mm. But, you know, it reminds me of one of my favorite shows that I feel like we should bring back, which is Boy Meets Boy. I don't think I
3: ever saw an episode of that. Is that Bravo?
2: Yes, it was Bravo. It was a basically a bachelor mm-hmm. where a gay guy had a pool of gay men to date and he had to pick one and was eliminating one each episode but the twist was half of the men were straight deceptors and yes and so it, he picked a straight guy at the end the straight guy won all the money and that's so insane
3: (laughs) also i think i think there should have been even a darker twist like the the straight guy gives them a phone and says you have to come out to a homophobic relative
2: (laughs) but i think that's a fun concept for a show
3: I mean uh, there was something in the 2000s where we had all these reality shows because people discovered how cheap they were to make, you know, VH1 is flourishing, MTV is flourishing, all these cable networks are doing well and they're just trying shit out. You know, they're just like what oh. if we made this this guy do this? What if I feel like it was such a I mean, gonzo time. Gay straight or taken? right again i want to say that one tequila tequila for a time was something you wanted on television based on what happened in the
2: 2000s they had that one queer season of are you the one my friend remy was on it uh that was good i watched that but they never made another one so maybe we
3: weren't good enough for it are you the one society no you aren't
2: baby mtv was just like let's keep airing ridiculous all day (laughs)
3: A plan that apparently is working for them or doing something for them because it is (laughs) ongoing.
2: (laughs) All right. When we're back, it's time for Keep It. And we are back with our favorite segment of the episode. It's Keep It. Lewis. Yes. What's yours? I like to be formally asked before I launch into it. Um,
3: My Keep It... (laughs) Um this came out like last week or so. But um mm-hmm. Alicia Keys, who has won I'll say quite a few Grammys. Quite a few. Um so <laughs> I, I would I would associate her with creativity, with um, you know uh, let me do that. I so I associate her with creativity and uh, uh uh you know, not infuriating us with choices she makes creatively. Until now. I know you haven't associated
2: her with vocals.
3: No, <laughs> she um is an alto who would like to be other things, and mm. s- some should say she should remain an alto. Moving on,
2: uh, great performer, songwriter.
3: Yes, that, exactly. Young performer, quoth Aretha Franklin, yeah. um, <laughs> as first reported on by T- TMZ. Uh, there's an application waiting to be assigned to an attorney for a trademark for her new tea brand, Alicia Teas. Um. Sometimes there's like puns that you just say them and it hurts your feelings. I say Alicia Tease and <laughs> my, it's, I'm frowning. You can hear the frown come on my face. It's just, it's way, it's too sad to say Alicia Tease. And then I was like, who would propose something like Alicia Tease? And then I remembered this woman named herself Alicia Keys. She named herself Alicia Keys. That's not her name.
4: She plays the piano. She calls herself
3: Alicia Keys. <laughs> This is like the dorkiest human act of all time. And now she's taking it a step further. She's like, I love this pun so much. I'm Alicia Tees
2: now. Darling, or should I say Darjeeling, you've gone too far. What's funny is her real name is Alicia Cook. So imagine she became a chef. She wouldn't have had to change her name. Right. Alicia Cooks. <laughs> that would be cute. That would be cute. <laughs> she could do her signature
3: and then just add like a red S at the end.
2: I personally. Love the name Alicia Tees.
3: That's very on brand for me. Actually, it is better than what Cher called her gelato company, which is Cher I just have this feeling Cher knows gay people and knows people who can do a better pun than that. So. Cher a cone. R- anything. Right. Cher and Cher alike.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. And also, Cher had an ice cream company. By the way, yes, it's
3: new. And then they they had trucks go around LA. By the way, did we hear that Cher may have hired somebody to kidnap her own son to prevent him from getting into uh,
2: being engaged to somebody? I did hear about that. I did not investigate further because I feel like if Cher hired anybody to kidnap someone, she was probably doing the right thing. Yeah. (laughs) I trust her
3: judgment. Also, yeah. I would love it if the guy jumped out of the van to do the kidnapping and then he just slaps him and says, snap out of it. Which just sounds like what the assignment was.
2: <laughs> we call that a moonstrucking.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Officer, I was moonstruck. Ira, <laughs> what is your keep it this week? My keep it goes to in sync. I saw them on Hot Ones, which I was actually a little bit of a bastard towards last week. Hot Ones is a fine show. You're, Go ahead, Ira. You
2: were you were rude as hell. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just the cadence of the questions I don't like. It's the questions themselves are great. I am saying keep it to in sync because unfortunately, I like another song from the from a fucking troll soundtrack. Oh, like, what are we God. doing here? No. This the trolls one. three. Even Trollier, whatever the name <laughs> of this fucking movie is. Trollio Iglesias. It is very can't stop the feeling coded. Sure. It starts out with one of the worst things in music: a whistle tone. Oh. I, I, I know gay is like that Hillary Duff Spark song, which has the whistles in it. They're constantly talking about it on Twitter. Like there's no other song that's ever been created by a white woman. Um <laughs> But it starts with a whistle and it it gets into, you know, a a boppy beat. It's very happy. It's very cheerful. But man, it's just so nice hearing their voices again. And it's nice hearing Justin singing a pop song again. And, you know, not trying to be Morgan Wallen or whoever the fuck. Yeah. And I just, <laughs> right. It's 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 just it's it's a very it's a nice song. It's it's not a good song. I mean some of the lyrics in the second verse are something like you like the bass down low, you like it nice and slow, I wanna lose control. Like who fucking wrote that? <laughs>
3: that does feel a bit <laughs> mid nineties uh R and B Montel Jordan or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's okay, we've we've heard this collection of lyrics before it almost feels like it was chat gpt'd yeah but right. it sounds good i've been listening to it on fucking repeat all morning actually do they and all sound good I'm at, does everybody all sound well? good oh that's they nice they sound great and it kind of makes me even angrier now because are we getting something else they've been doing hot ones oh we must all be these, they we did the be. mtv I need, a t- I need a reunion tour or I need a Vegas residency. I'm going to need a real album though. And if I'm going to get a real album, I don't want it to sound like this. This mm. is cute for one song, but we need Timbo. We need Pharrell back. Mm-hmm. Um, Space Cowboys, I'm sure please come back okay. out. Yes, K- Candy Burris, yeah. <laughs> we need your pin game again, okay?
3: <laughs> there was a, a, a rumor for a moment that NSYNC was going to be a part of the Super Bowl halftime show. Obviously, now it's going to be Usher. And to be fair, we don't know who Usher is going to bring out, but it's Usher for now. Um, and I'm I sure he's to, not bringing out Justin Timberlake. I would assume that's not the case, correct. But – it did strike me funny at the time because sync being at the Super Bowl does make kind of sense. But I have to say, if you live in West Hollywood, you literally just see Lance Bass out every weekend. And I was just like, wow, this guy can just be upstairs at a bar in West Hollywood most nights of my life. And now he is the headliner at the Super Bowl. What a crazy life. Like, I believed
4: yeah. it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked about girl groups this week, but in is – that's my life. Like I, the, like the in sync insync was for me insync was my was my was my group like I fucking loved insync so much I can't and even I pick I a favorite boy to band to
3: I can't because like also that gets a little like with girl groups there weren't many where they played instruments but for instance like Hanson they played instruments
2: and I would still call them a
3: boy band
2: you know so I gotta listen to no fucking Hanson. Oh, they had the
3: songs. I don't want to hear that.
2: I I'm don't want to sorry. hear that. Sorry, I do not. I do not like Umboo. I don't. I don't like it. I've never liked it. I don't want to hear it. I don't. I'm not a performer on this <laughs> podcast anymore. Good night. What? The, what the fuck are they even saying in that song? Oh, honey. And let's not
3: even get into their iconic <laughs> SNL. Uh, Performance one and two sketch with Helen Hunt where they uh, she gun- <laughs> she holds them at gunpoint in an elevator and says are you aware that the song Mbop has been played twenty five million times this year yeah <laughs> <laughs> Helen Hunt holding on you at gunpoint <laughs> yes that is television.
2: Uh. Paul Reiser actually talked about that, um, but we had to cut it from the episode for legal reasons.
4: Um, (laughs) Wait, he was threatened
2: to sue. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) he said she's going to come after me. (laughs) Take that
3: out. Uh, Okay, I need to listen to this song though. I haven't heard it yet. So, yeah, it's called
2: Better Place. All right, all right. You know what? When the Backstreet Boys came back last, that was pretty good too. It was. It was. And honestly, I mean, the chorus is also very like. I don't care if the world spins faster. Like, let me take you to a better place. I think it's about global warming, actually. Oh, okay, sure. I think it's about escaping this dying planet to go to space where the space where cowboys, the cowboys are. are. <laughs> yeah. Yippee-yay-yo. Yippee-yay-yay. Yes.
3: We have the same vision
2: get to the space cowboys. <laughs> but not that movie.
3: Oh, absolutely not. No, that was the first movie that came out when I was in high school. That was summer of 2000. I'm like, wow, that's what we're doing with Tommy Lee Jones now, right? Actually, that's funny because he's a big dick. So put him in
2: movies like Space Cowboys just to fuck with him. Uh, this is like the second week in a row that you've referenced Tommy Lee Jones being an asshole. Everybody knows it. It's not, it's not new information. He's a he's big dick. I don't think I really know anything about him. besides the fact that he was in
3: batman and the fugitive look at him in the audience of any award show and you'll never see somebody Mm -hmm. having a worse time it's like girl have some fucking champagne you're like (laughs) sitting next to (laughs) annette benning or something we're all having a good time (laughs) um
2: well i guess that's our show this week
3: yeah we kept it not current this week we didn't even bring up taylor being at a football game again which by the way guys is boring I know you guys want it I to be don't. exciting. She just is standing there. And then you now she's standing next to Blake Lively, who has to pretend to know what
2: football is, too. She doesn't care. <laughs> I almost made it my keep it this way, but I just don't want to talk about it. I know. There's nothing I to do say. Not, I, I, it's, it's very, who cares? What am I looking at? Why are you
3: so excited? Also, wasn't the real story that Hugh Jackman was potentially there next to Anthony?
5: That's yeah. news.
3: Excuse me, uh, the Today Show. Can we get on this? Uh, TMZ.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Anthony, come back. Yeah. Oh my us. God,
3: our friend Anthony. Yes, please come back on the show and talk about guac and this.
2: Yeah, talk about talk about anything. Yeah, and this, you know. Um, but yeah, I don't want to talk about like this. Take I. I have. I was entertained at first, but now I feel like it is all people are talking about. And I know this summer there was the Eras tour and people kept talking about that. And it made sense because she was on tour and everyone was going to the concert. It was a very big moment this summer. But now it just feels very snake eating its own tail. Like, yeah. The media is just constantly talking about her and that is why we're talking about her right also
4: it's we're just talking a, about
2: her because you're talking about her mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's one of those things also where i have to give the woman
3: credit when your whole game is relatability and like you just stick with that for years and years and years she has really gotten the fans to be like literally if she's laughing people are like i laugh too that's so relatable <laughs> like it's like a, they're so obsessed with the micro occurrences just seeing this woman exist that it's, like, he, intriguing no matter what she does. It's actually, it's, it's an impressive long game if she did this on purpose. I mean, in,
2: on purpose. It, is a, it is akin to white women eating a salad, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Just, do you remember that website? Yeah, Oh wait, as in the Getty Images thing? <laughs> yeah, white women eating salad. It was yeah. a, it was during that era of websites where, websites were meme. So, like, memes were on, like, a whole website was a meme. Got it, got it, got it. Yes. You know, like blackpeopleloveus.com. Mm-hmm, mm, Chelsea mm, pretty Yes. And Jonah Peretti. Right. It's their website. It's But then, you know, memes broke free. <laughs> Thank you for that history lesson. Thank you. Yeah. Well, that's the Alicia T for the week.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hate you.
3: <laughs> We've gone oolong this episode, and now we need to get out of here. <laughs>
2: Uh, you're darjeeling me
3: (laughs) I already did a darjeeling pun move it along the darjeeling (laughs) is limited honey we already had (laughs) it
2: thank you to Jerry Hollowell Horner for being here this week and we'll see you next week Keep It is a Crooked Media production. Our senior producer is Kendra James. Our producer is Chris Lord. And our associate producer is Malcolm Whitfield. Our executive producers are Ira Madison III and Louis Vertel. This episode was recorded and mixed by Evan Sutton. Thank you to our digital team, Megan Patzel and Rachel Gajewski. And to Matt DeGroot and David Tolls for production support every week. And as always, Keep It is recorded in front of a live studio audience.